Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of the Saber Metrics Podcast. I'm Walter and I'm here with Bill. And today we'll be going over a lot of interesting stuff for you guys. We have the World Juniors coming up pretty soon. Uh, lots of off-season stuff to get through before the Saber season starts. And we'll go through some more Sabres prospect stuff with you guys. So I think Bill's going to get you guys started on some of the latest NHL news. Yes, the latest NHL news is that the Sabres can finally open up camp. That's going to be December 30th. Um, It's the extra week that was given to them for missing out on the playoffs. I'd rather have been in the play-ins and starting later, but uh, that's the confirmed date that they can open it up. I don't believe the Sabres have confirmed at this time that's when they will, but I'm assuming that they're going to try to use as much time as possible, so I would expect them to show up on the 30th. Puck drop for the regular season for everyone is going to be January 13th with the trade deadline being April 12th. So that's just about, uh, that's just about the time, uh, where the season would be ending normally. Um, and then we have the end of the regular season being May 8th, the expansion draft then going on, uh, July 21st, the NHL draft, July uh, 23rd and 24th. Free agency starting July 28th. Um, so those are the latest dates that we have from Pierre Lebrun um, of TSN with the starting of the NHL season. Um, and shifting gears to who will be playing and, and what divisions. It sounds like uh, Dallas and, and Minnesota will be changing divisions. Uh, that's a, the latest provision. But I think the biggest thing that I just wanted to get your opinion on, um, and I'll follow up on it uh what do you think about Canadian teams having to come and play in the United States? We've seen it with the Blue Jays. We've seen it with the Raptors. But there's eight Canadian teams, not just one, eight Canadian teams. What what were your thoughts when you finally heard this? Because according to sources, uh, the NHL could move games involving Canadian teams to the United States in 2021 if they aren't able to reach an agreement with each province, I believe, uh, each provident, province's health authority so what were your thoughts on that walt i think i mean obviously it would just be a huge disadvantage for some of the guys on canadian teams because not only do they not get to play in their home rink for the whole season they also have to move away into a different country than probably where most of their families are living so i mean it would be a huge adjustment for those teams and i mean honestly it's a really easy division but it might not be fair with like all the stuff those guys would have to go to because it's not just a bubble that lasts a month or two. It'd be a full NHL season away from their homes and families. So, I mean, I think the NHL is really going to try to work with the provinces to make sure that Canadian division actually happens. I think it's just one province right now that's 
the primary holdup on this on this division actually going through. So I think once that province comes through, I think the NHL is going to do everything in their power to make sure that Canadian division happens just to have just a better, more well-run season. Gotcha. And this is kind of along the lines, this is a little bit more confirmed than um, what we saw where teams were trying, uh, to, you know, their thought process on new uh, venues, essentially like playing outside and, and doing that so they could, you know, get their season going. This was reported on earlier and it was, um, we were pretty skeptical of it, but it, it kind of gets people in the mindset like they are willing to try anything to get this back. And, and you know, obviously with them setting out a, uh, a schedule and, and letting teams come back starting the 30th, um, they're they're really pushing for it. So I think uh, along the lines of, you know, getting that one province uh, under, um, you know, under an agreement and getting that all squared away by the 13th is, is possible. They're, they're really pushing hard for it. Um, there's I'm sure plenty of meetings going to be coming up this this upcoming week before the Christmas break and, and holiday. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing that Canadian division just because it's it's so different from any other division that we've seen before. You know, Toronto is always playing teams that are uh, in the Northeast or, um, you know, you have Toronto going down to Tampa for their divisional games, but to have an all-Canadian divisions. I, I just think that's pretty cool. Uh, it's interesting, so that is a positive to kind of take out of all the craziness that's going on here. Um, not necessarily involved with the start of play, um, but something that is new. Sources uh, told the Sports Business Journal uh, that the NHL Board of Governors could approve helmet ads for the 2020-2021 season as early as today. This is back on the 17th. Um, they're basically saying it's likely it's going to get approved by the Board of Governors. I'm not a huge fan of, of that. I understand like revenue needs to go up, and it's one of the things where I will agree to it for this season, saying, like, look, I understand revenue. You, you're not going to have anyone showing up to your games. You need revenue. That's fair. I understand it. This is one of those things where I feel once they do it, though, they're not – it's going to be difficult to get them away from doing helmet ads. And at the end of the day, I just, I don't like the look of them and I understand the business side of it, but I just think it's going to be really tough once the season is over and they see the revenue that could be made off of them, uh, that they're, they're just going to say, yeah, you know, fans are back. So let's take them away. I, I think they're, they're here to stay once, once they get applied. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, kind of, I just hope they look really well, like aesthetically. That's kind of the primary thing I care about because I know the World Juniors, I mean, most of the teams wear helmet ads, like Team Canada. They have a TELUS ad on their helmets every year, but they make sure like the sticker color matches the helmet color. And you can kind of barely tell it's there. And even like Team USA, the World Juniors in Buffalo, many people probably don't even remember this, but they had giant uh, Connors and Ferris, uh, which is a law firm in West New York ads. Uh, on their jerseys so I mean as long as it's not like all over the jersey a lot of times you could let it slide I think the helmet's probably the best place for now because I wouldn't want to see ads on the jersey but I mean I think I think they can make it work it's really just all about execution at this point I mean we'll see what happens so if they're going to make them have helmet ads I want them to give them the right to customize their skates like the just Dition boys do which is awesome go follow just Dition, excuse me on twitter uh their content's awesome i love watching 
uh, what they're cooking up over there. Um, but that, like, that seems like a fair trade-off, right? Like, look, we're going to put hat, you know, helmet ads on your on your helmet, but at the same time, we're going to let you customize your skates and, you know, with team colors. Let's just start it with team colors, so they they look, you know, more in, in line with the uniform. Um, you know, you can go with full customization, you know, down the road. But I think that would be a pretty good trade off. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, that's personally like, look, you know, we're going to to put ads and make it look a little bit. Look, regardless of you know how well they infuse them into the helmet they're still advertisements on a player um which i get it happens all over the world but at the same time let them let them get a little creative with with what they're wearing too um and i think uh i think it's trending in that direction where they can start wearing um, you know customized skate i don't exactly know how that's going to go and and you know the the security of them and, and making sure they don't fall off or uh, protection or making sure they don't add extra weight to your skates but um, I really think that's kind of the next wave is is customization of skates with guys doing you know whatever they want I mean can you imagine a guy stepping out on the ice where he has like Gritty's face on the skates in Philly like that just yeah, that'd, be amazing. that'd be awesome <laughs> um, so I, I this is since we are approaching that start of the NHL season uh, you put out a tweet uh, back on the 17th basically saying there's a surprising lack of player movement in the NHL right now and yes Anthony Duclair just went to the Florida Panthers for <clears throat> less than Zemgis Gergensen's um, but it's just the, there are some good names out there you have Granlund, Hoffman, Vatanen, Haula, uh, Shiri, Hamanek, Athanasiu they're all unsigned and I mean especially with some of these teams I did 10 days we're recording the 20th here 10 days until the Sabres can open up their camp or, or other teams that didn't make the plan can open up their camp. I mean, what is it? It's got to be a lack of money, but what what are the biggest factors in, in your mind that are, are keeping teams away from from signing some really high-quality veterans? I mean, my first guess is probably some team going with an internal cap because, I mean, you see a team like Nashville, I mean, they never announced it going with an internal cap. But they're about like I think thirteen million under uh, the max cap hit right now. So and they let guys like Craig Smith walk. I mean, Granlin was on their team last year. He's still a free agent right now. So I'm kind of just wondering what teams like Nashville are doing, and even New Jersey. They have seventeen million dollars worth of cap space right now. I mean, my main guess right now is probably they're just sitting back and waiting to see what these cap strap teams do. Because you see a team like the Islanders, they have just a tad under $4 million in cap space, but they still have Barzell to sign because he's an RFA this year. So, I mean, maybe they give up a guy like Sezikis and a high draft pick just to create some more cap that's space. That's not getting so talked maybe, enough. Like, that's not yeah. – no one's really talking about Matt Barzell. Like, the premier player in the NHL still isn't signed to his, you know – his RFA contract, uh, you know, signed an extension. I mean, is there, it, it has to be obviously money reasons, but I mean, that's, you know, the season's approaching and, and no one's really talking about that. I mean, the Islanders, their team, I mean, Lou Lamarello does a great job, but I mean, everywhere he goes, just kind of the back end of the teams are just loaded with like veteran players, bottom six guys, bottom pairing guys that make an obscene amount of money. Like just looking at their cap friendly right now, you got Komarov making three million, Cal Clutterbuck makes three and a half million. You have 
really just a lot of bottom six forwards just making crazy cap hits. And that leaves the Islanders with not much room to work with with signing Barzell. So I think the Islanders, I think they're going to have to give up a high draft pick to be able to sneak their way out of the situation. I mean, we've seen a team like Toronto do that to get out of the Patrick Marlowe contract situation. They have to give up a first-round pick to Carolina. So I think we'll probably see a lot of moves like that, but there's just not a lot of time left before the season starts. So I think we could see a lot of moves happen in a real short period of time over the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it's one of those things where it might be a little, this might be the year where it's harder to move someone to take on a contract just because everyone's saying, like, look, it's not worth it for us. I mean, like, look, we could get a – you know, high draft pick, but we also have our own internal cap and we're not able to, to get to a point where it's worth it to us, at least this, this season. So, um, that's something to keep an eye out for. Again, that's, um, you know, Anthony, uh, 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 is, isn't, uh, signed either. Um, what, is that something that you see them kind of doing the same thing, uh, as the, the Islanders and trying to give up someone and, uh, that was obviously important to their playoff run and Stanley Cup run. Um, is that someone that they would, you know, maybe Patrick Maroon or, um, you know, someone out there that, that would give them the opportunity to sign them? Well, I mean, the really bad thing with Tampa right now is they're actually about $2 million over the cap. So, I mean, they've got a lot of guys in that $5 million cap hit range that they would probably really try to move. But, I mean, the only problem is, like, Palat, Gore, Johnson – they all have no trade clauses for this upcoming season. And Alex Kalorn with a $4.4 million cap it, he has a modified no trade clause. So just being able to find a way to move those guys with a no trade clause, I mean, none of those guys are going to willingly leave Tampa. I mean, it's a fun city to play hockey, and they just won the Stanley Cup. They're not going to waive their no trade clause to play in, like, Ottawa or Detroit or on a rebuilding team. Yeah, so man. it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I think Maroon's pretty much your only shot there. And when it comes to to that, you, he has a modified no trade, so that makes you know narrows it down immediately. And I, as such a good team, just your first round pick with whomever it is might not be enough because that could end up being the thirty second pick in the draft. You know, so like that's just it's just not enough for for some people. Um, so those are a couple teams to, especially since they're you know in the East. That's something to watch and um you know storyline it's you know we we know about the the savers cap struggles but at least they you know aren't over by two million at at this point so um i guess i i think that's pretty much it for the the starting of the nhl we will our next podcast uh, episode will be uh, a complete preview of everything savers amherst whatever uh is is going on um with the latest news for there um, but i think the the next thing to start is world junior preview we got dylan cousins named as the assistant captain of team canada um that's that's an honor for sure with so many you know good players i'm not necessarily surprised considering he's an older one um but i mean that's that's a great start to especially with a good camp and everything like that it's a great start to to dylan cousins uh you know 2021 season there what were you expecting him to to maybe be the captain over doc i mean i it really doesn't matter to me, but I mean, did you have any expectations there at all com- coming into uh, Team Canada's camp? I mean, I pretty much thought a guy like Kirby Doc would probably be a lock to be 
the captain for this year's team. I mean, really just because he has a full year of NHL experience under his belt. So I think like Team Canada is really going to look at that experience he has in the NHL as like being a leader towards uh, a lot of guys on this roster who are looking to make the NHL. So I'm really not too surprised there. But I mean, I am surprised to see them put Dylan Cousins at center on that top line and move Kirby Doc to the wing. I was kind of expecting Kirby Doc to be a lock to be the number one center, but I mean, it's cool to see Cousins in that one C spot. Yeah, I think it's when it comes to Cousins, it's more he can do kind of the dirty work down by one let um, Kirby Doc, you know, use his skill on the wing. Um, you know, I, nothing against Dylan Cousins. It's just Kirby Doc has a little bit more skill. Um, and you want to get him into, you know, more prime offensive uh, positioning. You know, you got Dylan, uh, you know, working down low and, and breaking the puck out with the defenseman. So maybe that's kind of my thought process. But, yeah, when it comes to Kirby Doc being captain over Dylan Cousins, I, it's perfect. I, you know, I think it's it's one of those things where Dylan Cousins doesn't really care about it all that much. Um, you know, he just wants to go out there and, and do his best for his team. And, his country and, and his family and his friends. And um, I think he just needs to put in, in a good showing, um, you know, whether he was wearing any letter or not. I think, you know, we all kind of expected him to be wearing one. So congratulations to him. That's awesome. Um, I guess just kind of going over the groups. There's one group that's pretty much a lock. We can probably tell you exactly how it's going to stack up. And then there's another one where it's, it's up in the air. So group a, uh, this one's pretty much a lock with Canada going to, probably uh <laughs> probably went out in this group uh you know they're playing finland uh, germany slovakia and switzerland you're obviously going to have germany and finland uh, vying for that second and third spot um then group b with the united states it's a tough one man um and, and Walt's about to dive into players to watch and and these teams and, and give you kind of a full breakdown but you got the united states with Sweden, Russia, the Czech Republic, and Austria. Um, Austria, you know, they obviously have Marco Rossi, but they might not be as as deep. And and same with the Czech Republic. But I mean, you you have Sweden and Russia. Um, those are two relative powerhouses. I'm I'm always scared of a Russian uh, junior team. Those guys are big, fast, and uh, you know they they play hard. So um, you know what what. I guess let's just get a preview of you know the guys that you're looking out for there, and then maybe kind of uh, uh, an an estimation of how things play out in, in each group. Uh, what what are you thinking on that, Walt? Well, I mean, first of all, Group A. I mean, that's obviously going to be the weaker group. I mean, Finland usually has a pretty good team. I mean, this year the team's probably a bit weaker than usual. I mean, obviously there's some great players with uh, Anton Lundell and Billy Hanola. And they have a really interesting young player in Brad Lambert, who should be a top pick in a few years. But, I mean, overall, it's really not the same Finland team that we've seen win gold over the past couple of seasons. It's definitely a weaker squad. And then Germany, too. There's a lot of hope for Germany heading into this tournament with uh, guys like Stutzla and, obviously, Sabres prospect J.J. Paterka. But it really hurts to have a guy like Lucas Reichel uh, test positive for coronavirus and not be able to make the trip over. And then you have a guy like Moritz Cedar playing in the SHL. He was a lock to be their number one defenseman. But the Wings decided just to keep him in the SHL rather than send him over to Canada for the World Juniors. So that's a huge blow for their team because Cedar probably would have been the best player in this team for this tournament. So, I mean, you're going to be looking at Germany, Slovakia, and Switzerland 
this kind involved in like a bloodbath in the bottom of group a i mean obviously there's no relegation this year because none of the lower tournaments were played so all the teams in the tournament this year will be back for the next one so obviously those three teams don't really have that to worry about but it's hard to see either germany slovakia or switzerland finish in the top two i think canada is going to feast on really every team in group a yeah, when you have Quentin Byfield as your fourth-line center, I think you're going to do fine. Yeah, I mean, just the depth on their team and the size, too. Oh, I mean, it's... you see a guy like Byfield, 6'4", Kirby Dock, 6'4", Cousins is pushing 6'4". It's just insane. Yeah, I mean, and I think we were talking pre-show. Their only quote-unquote weakness is their goaltending, and all their goaltending needs to do is not let up bad goals, really. Just play solid, and you'll be fine, so... Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be tough to to watch Group A. Um, you know, if if you're hoping that Canada you know stumbles because I don't see it. <laughs> it's they're stacked. It's it's going to be tough for everyone, and, and especially with uh, Germany. You know, losing a couple key players. That's that's just tough. Um, but Group B. I mean, what what are your thoughts on on Sweden, the United States, and Russia? The the big three there. I mean, I think if we were to rank all of the teams, you're going to go Canada. And then a mix of the United States, Sweden, and Russia is two, three, and four. Yeah, I mean, U.S., Sweden, Russia, I mean, it's really hard even just to pick between those three teams. I think they're pretty much all on a level playing field. I mean, each team obviously has their star players, a lot of guys that are back for their second tournament. So, I mean, those games will be a lot of fun to watch in Group B. And, I mean, it's going to be fun to see if Sweden could keep their round robin win streak alive i mean obviously it won't be easy with teams like us and russia and even czech republic might be able to put up a solid fight and then even the bad team in that group b they have one of the top prospects in hockey and marco rossi so maybe he could put together kind of like a nikolai ehlers performance uh back when he was on denmark in the world juniors maybe we see rossi do that in austria just because he's such a good prospect but i mean yeah group b definitely the tougher group of the two it's really going to be interesting to see who comes out on the top of that group. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to make for some really good games, and uh, I look forward to them for sure. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing for the United States is, I, I would say, getting past getting past Sweden. Uh, I, if hey, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they've had some success against Russia in the past. Um, but, I mean, it's just a tough group regardless. And, um, you know, watching – if we had to watch Marco Rossi, uh, Will – the Austrian team to a win against whomever, uh, United States, Sweden, or Russia. I think it's it's gonna be a tough pill to swallow. But again, we will have our eyes on Jack Quinn. Um, you know, we're we're excited to to watch that, especially since he's on Cousins and and Doc's line. It seems like that's the way it's gonna go. And hopefully, they perform enough that you know the coach doesn't feel obligated to change that up. Um, you know, obviously, we'll be watching Cousins and Quinn for Canada, but. Uh, for, for, I guess, each team, uh, is there anyone that you're specifically looking out for and, and any reason why? Well, I mean, I guess we could just walk through the teams. Finland, the guy I'd watch out for is definitely Anton Lundell. I mean, he's been a stud in the Finnish Pro League this year. I expect him to have a huge tournament. And then, obviously, we could see a guy like uh, Brad Lambert on his wing. He's only 16 years old, but he's a hell of a player playing in the top pro division in Finland right now. So, I mean, they could be a fun team to watch. I mean, Finland, every time they look weak on paper, they, like, somehow win, like, a gold medal or silver medal or something. I mean, they just pull out magic every year somehow. 
And then we could go down. I mean, Germany, I mean, obviously, JJ Paterka is pretty much a lock for the top line. I mean, their forward group's not that deep. He's going to be on Stutzla's wing. I mean, whoever is that third winger or second winger on that line, obviously, will get a bunch of points just from playing with those two. But, I mean, it's hard to see how they'll win without much depth other than those two guys. I mean, like I said before, with Denmark, they could be a similar situation to that team. I mean, maybe Stutzla and Paterka could will the German side to a win, but, I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle for them. And then we could go to Slovakia. Uh, Maxim Chajkovic, who is supposed to be one of their better players, he actually got kicked out of uh, Slovakia's World Junior Training Camp. Uh, I have it right here. He was kicked out for a serious violation of sports and human values after he injured his teammate by giving him a concussion. And that was in practice. So, I mean, Slovakia has some interesting players. I'd probably go with Martin Kromiak as a guy to keep an eye on. He was a Kings draft pick, uh, played in Kingston in the OHL this past season. He'll be a fun guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Switzerland, uh, Lorenzo Canonica, he's draft eligible this year. He's a 17-year-old playing in the queue. He's definitely the guy to keep an eye on for Switzerland. I mean, not as much talent as they usually have. So they're going to be in a battle with uh, Germany and Slovakia for that final spot in Group A. And then moving over to Group B really quick, and just to talk about Ryan Johnson really quickly, uh, he was cut from the team last year, makes the team the second time around, and they've been having him paired with Brock Faber, uh, who's actually his partner uh, down in Minnesota uh, for the World Junior team, so that should definitely be something to keep an eye on uh, for Sabres fans because that Johnson-Faber pair has been really good for Minnesota this season. So, I mean... Oh, maybe he has a breakout tournament. I think for, yeah, especially for, for Johnson, um, you know, we were all down on him last year, uh, but he was playing against grown men as an 18-year-old. Now he's a 19-year-old playing against his peers. I mean, I would expect him to be flying around out there and uh, maybe not the flashiest, but I, mean, I don't, I wouldn't expect anyone to be able to get the puck by him. You know, they're just going to have to chip and chase it. Um, you know, I just want to see him do the things that he is highly touted for, you know, breaking up transitions and, um, you know, holding blue lines, and um, I just want to see him move the puck well, uh, whether that's to his D partner to, to get it out of the zone or uh, skating it himself. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for us is, you know, we just want to see Johnson shine amongst his peers. That's when we'll know, you know, we'll, we'll feel better about him. You know, it's it can be tough for, for young players to play against those grown men and uh, in college, especially when you're on a lackluster Minnesota team from last year. So I'm really excited to watch him play. Uh, it does stink that he was cut last year, so we didn't get to see him. But I think this could be a, a breakout tournament for him and, and definitely raise some eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, something to keep an eye on Johnson, too. I mean, he's only a few weeks older than Jack Quinn. But, I mean, with the way the NHL draft is structured, I mean, it kind of makes it seem like the guys are like a year apart development-wise and really – they're pretty much on the same track development-wise because most development is cut off uh, January 1st. So, I mean, Quinn Johnson, uh, same birth year. So, I think that was really the big downside to Johnson last season was just he was so young. Probably shouldn't have been in the NCAA that year. He could have benefited from another year in the USHL. So, it was a little disappointing when he was cut from the team last season. But, I mean, at the same time, it was a little expected too. And it's definitely nice to see him get another shot this time around. 
Absolutely and not. Then we could, he, he definitely earned it, too. I think it's it's one of those things where he, he showed out in some prelims, at least from what I remember in reporting, and I think he definitely uh, I think he definitely deserved it. And uh, it's good to see that he's familiar with the person he's playing with as well. So I apologize for interrupting, but, um, you know, I, I'm excited for him, and, you know, I hope he has a good tournament. No, I mean, Ryan Johnson, he's just a really exciting prospect, and I think he probably deserved to make the team last year too, honestly. I mean, USA's personnel decisions last tournament, I mean, I'm not even going to really get into that, but, I mean, they were just horrible. I mean, you have a guy like Zegras literally playing like nine minutes a game. He gets like three assists, and then the next game he's still playing like nine minutes. And then you have like guys that should be in the bottom six, like on your top line, and they just can't score. I mean, it's really just a disaster. But, I mean, they have a new coach heading into this tournament. So, I mean, we should see some better results from them. And then, yeah, the two biggest competitions in that group, definitely Sweden and Russia. Sweden, obviously, the two big household names in um, Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond. Uh, they should put on a show this tournament. I mean, they're pretty solid last World Juniors in their draft years, so they're going to be even better this time around. Then even a team like Russia. I mean, Russia is always a sleeper team just because I feel like their prospects sometimes aren't as well covered as some like North American or like Swedish prospects. And they have a really fun player that I would really keep an eye on. Um, Rock Kuznadinov. He was a second round pick by the Minnesota wild in this past draft. He's a really small center, but he's just electric. He plays such a fun game. He's going to be their top line center. He's got Pat Colson on his one wing. So, I mean, Russia has a pretty deep group at forward. The defense group is still questionable. But then in net, you got uh, Yaroslav Oskarov, one of the best goalie prospects we've seen in quite some time. So, I mean, Russia, they're going to be a contender for the gold. So, and then, I mean, just to uh, clarify, Askarov did not have a great World Juniors last year, correct? And everyone was like, oh, maybe he isn't all yeah. that we thought he was going to be. But, no, he's pretty much put that to bed. He's, he's the top goalie prospect out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the World Juniors, just since it's such a small sample size, especially for goalies, I mean, you let in a couple stinkers in a game and you get pulled. I mean, it could hurt your draft stock, even though it shouldn't. And I think that really affected Askarov. So I think he should be lights out for Russia this time around. I mean, he's been lights out playing pro hockey all season. So I think he's going to be the best goalie in the tournament, in my opinion. Gotcha. And I guess I was interested since he's on his way back i believe uh spencer knight i would assume he would be the the second ranked goalie there do you i i know i'm kind of going from back to the united states but what are your uh what are your thoughts on on him do you think he's going to be a solid backstop there or is it you know the team in front of him just not good enough in the uh in the division that they are in that you know it's really going to be a tough task yeah i mean spencer knight i mean you got three really elite goalies in this tournament and you got Jesper Wallstadt who should be a top 15 pick in the 2021 draft and Oskroff who we just talked about and Spencer Knight who was a high pick back in the 2019 draft so all three of those guys I think are going to really show out I mean Spencer Knight I think he turns the U.S. from like maybe a team that would win the bronze medal into like a clear gold medal contender up there with the likes of Sweden and Russia I mean he's just an outstanding goalie prospect so I think he's really going to help uh, push U.S. towards that gold medal, kind of similar to uh, uh, John Gibson back when he was on the U.S. World Junior team. That's exciting. 
that's definitely exciting. So, yeah, that's definitely something to watch for as well. The United States goaltending uh, matchups with uh, a couple other countries with, with good goalies there. So I know we have uh, just a couple quick uh, countries to go over here and, and some guys to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I mean, Czech Republic, the next one. Uh, Jan Misak, probably the top prospect on their team. I mean, they have a couple nice mid-round picks on their roster. I mean, like always, Czech Republic is always a team that could maybe pull off an upset or two, so they'll be a team to keep an eye on. Then Austria, it's pretty much just going to be the Marco Rossi show. I mean, they don't really have many NHL-caliber prospects on their team outside of Rossi because Timo Nickel tested positive for coronavirus, so he won't be in the tournament. He is a guy that maybe could get some NHL looks. So, I mean, it's really going to be the Marco Rossi show, but, I mean, Marco Rossi is a really good hockey player. So, I mean, it's kind of going to be like if LeBron uh, went to uh, University of Akron to play basketball. So, I mean, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, just for the sake of Sabres fans, I hope he just has an average tournament because if he goes out and shows out, I, it's just I'm not prepared for it. Um, again, you know, Jack Quinn can – can go out there and, and really tear it up especially being on cousin swing but um you know I'm, I'm not ready for the marco rossi praise if he carries them to some ridiculous victory so um you know again not not taking anything away from jack Quinn. super excited to see him uh playing and you know congratulations to him to play in team canada but that could get ugly quick uh if, if he wills them to a, if rossi wills them to a win so i guess kind of keeping with prospects but just sabers prospects in general we decided uh, to come up with a sabers pyramid uh, sabers prospects pyramid excuse me um, and i think there is going to be a couple players especially when it comes to uh, higher up in the pyramid where there's going to be some disagreements and we definitely want to hash out what our thought process was when it comes to these guys i think we the best way is to just get the bottom layers done first where we just think these guys are probably career ahl guys again these are all more or less projections and what we think as of right now um but i you know there's a whole slew of them you have constantini kukinen um you know biro uh cornholm Cedarquist, Murray, Davidson, Konechny, Fitzgerald, uh, Jonas Johansson, Aaron Huglin, Huglin, excuse me, um, and and a few others that I'm really not going to attempt to to mention their last names because I'm <laughs> awful with last names. We've already gone over this a few times. Um, anyone else in in that category um, that you might be able to pronounce their names a little bit a little bit better than I can, um, and also just kind of uh, your thought process on maybe Constantini. Um, guys like that and and Cedarquist and and a few guys that were drafted recently that we see as just AHL guys. You know, another guy we got down in tier five is Albert Lacosin. I actually didn't learn how to pronounce that name until I watched one of Will Scouch's videos about the Sabres. So it is Lacosin. Yeah. Gotcha. So shout out to Will Scouch for helping me out in that one. I think uh, I mean Aaron Hoogland's definitely an interesting player. Um, primarily because he's a really skilled player, but he hasn't played a game of hockey in 20 months. I mean, I watch a lot of Fargo Force games this season. I mean, he's been an injured scratch for every single game. So just following the development with his injury, I mean, I'm not really exactly sure how much longer he's expected to be out for. I mean, maybe he would be up on a higher tier if he's been able to play, but I mean, yeah, he just hasn't been able to get any game action and 
almost two years. So it's hard to see him really developing into an NHL player. I mean, I really hope he does. It'd probably be a miracle story, but I mean, he's a guy to keep an eye on though. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel horrible for the kid, uh, you know, realizes his NHL dream of, or, you know, getting drafted by the NHL, um, by an NHL team. And then just having a, a back injury when working out, I mean, that's just, that's just brutal. I feel, I feel terrible for the kid. Um, and you know, these, these aren't set in stone. I mean, these guys can fluctuate and they can, they can rise and fall. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, I, I wonder kind of what the, the rights, if the rights will be extended at all, just because he's had such a, an extended window of, of not being able to play at all because of the injury. But yeah, I mean, those are the AHL guys where we think, look, you know, they come over, they'll probably play for the Amherst. They could be pretty good, but it's most likely they're not going to be playing on the NHL roster. Um, so here's guys that will make the roster, or at least we believe that, you know, that's kind of where their potential is to maybe be a 13th forward, a seventh defenseman, a, maybe a third goalie kind of going fluctuating up and down. Um, there we have uh, Oscari Laxanen, uh, Matei Picard, or uh, Pekash, I mean, possibly. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess if we go the Chuck pronunciation is Pekash or Picard. <laughs> I guess you go either way. There you go. Um, we also have Matias Samuelson, uh, Lucas Ruschek, I believe his last name is, and Linus Weisback. Um, I think that's pretty fair. I, I think Laxanen might be the one where we could have given, um, you know, some some leniency to, but I think he's kind of taken a step back and and he's kind of filled the role of he's creative with the puck and um you know he, he's a decent skater and he can move the puck but i think there's certain parts to his game where they just it just lacks enough where i'm not totally comfortable saying like yeah he's totally going to be a, a top six guy yeah i mean he had a down year last season that definitely like lowered my view on him as a prospect a bit i mean he's definitely bounced back this season but i mean you'd probably like to see those offensive numbers hop up a bit from uh, where they are right now so yeah i think tier four i mean he's a guy that's probably on the fringe of that group but i think it's a good spot for him yeah and i think he's one of the he's of all those players i think he's going to be the guy that will play his way out of that tier i could see matias samuelson i guess um but that's that's about it maybe maybe picard pakash um maybe but i would definitely say laxon and of those people would be the one that would jump or um you know at least stand pat you know I, I think these will kind of fluctuate throughout the the year especially when we uh see more hockey coming our way so uh, moving on to tier three which we identified as potential bottom six players um whether that be the third or fourth line uh, top six defenseman or a backup goalie um i think there's going to be some some backlash on this one but we have eric portillo casey middlestat Jacob Bryson, R2 Rootsalainen, Will Borgen, and Rasmus Asplund. Um, I think I think all of us are in agreement that Casey Middlestad is just not who we thought he's going to be, and he's probably not a top-six forward candidate. Maybe some people do, and that's where I think some backlash could come out, saying we've given up on him too easily. But I really don't think he's much more than a third-line player at his highest potential. I, just, I, I know you'll probably kind of echo that sentiment, but it's just the the way it is you know I, I feel bad saying it but I we have to reimagine our expectations for him and I, I really think his potential is you know maybe a third line winger yeah I mean I mean I always say I've talked about Middlestead on here before but I mean I think 
Skill-wise, he has tier one talent. But, I mean, being able to put it all together in professional hockey, I think that pushes him down to tier three. I mean, there's really not a clear path to the NHL for him if he's not going to accept his qualifying offer with the Sabres. So, I mean, he's kind of just a prospect in free fall at this point. I think if I was a Sabres, I would try to move him kind of like a prospect for prospect deal, maybe throw him in a larger deal, a sweetener, but it's just really hard to see. I mean, it's just a guy that he was ranked above like Elias Patterson and Kel McCarr in so many prospect rankings after his draft year. I mean, probably not rightfully so. I mean, I think they waited as world juniors too much. But, I mean, just to see a guy like that fall to Tier 3, I mean, it just sucks, especially for uh, Sabres fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just seeing what they could have had with that pick and, and you know, ending up with a player that we're hoping makes the bottom six. Um, it's tough. It's tough. It's a tough situation where, you know, like you said, he hasn't signed his qualifying offer. The Sabres are, let's be honest, they're definitely trying to move him. Um, you know, how hard is, you know, a little bit up in the air, but... I would put a lot of money. I would put a lot of money on them saying, at least calling up teams saying, "Hey, you know, what what would you think about taking on Casey Middlestad? What would you give for that?" Um, you know, it's it's a tough situation for everyone to be in. Hopefully, he can, you know, again, these guys can rise and fall from here. So hopefully, he can raise himself out of it. But yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty fair, uh, especially as of right now. I think that's that's a fair assessment. Um, other guys like Bryson, Rootsalainen, Borgen, and Asplund, I think that's pretty. That's pretty well set in stone. I don't really think Will Borgen's going to be much more than a top six defenseman. I think he is a top six defenseman. I don't think he's going to be much more than that. Same with Jacob Bryson. I think he can be a skilled top six defenseman, but I don't really see him going much more. If he does, it's awesome. But um, then you have our two roots aligning where that's pretty much a lock. In our mock lineups last episode, we had him on the third line, so that fits there. Um, Rasmus Asplund, he's, I think, since he's been drafted, we always kind of thought of him. Um, you know, maybe we've soured on him a bit, but we always thought of him maybe as like a, a high-end third-line player. So, um, you know, I still think that's where his potential is, probably fourth-liner, but um, I'm not completely out on Asplund, so I think he belongs in Tier 3. Um, then moving on to Tier 2, potential top six forwards, top four defensemen, or low-end starting goalie. Um, we have Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, Uko Pekalukinen, and Ryan Johnson, um, I think it's pretty much goes without saying when it comes to Jack Quinn. I think his goal scoring shows for himself that he at least deserves to be in the the potential top six tier. Um, again, he's maybe not a you know a, a burner elite you know top line forward, but he deserves to be in that category as of right now. We'll obviously adjust after this season, but um, you know he's he's lethal with his shot. And I think he deserves uh, this tier. When it comes to J.J. Paterka, this is one that we gave him a little extra. We said, look, I think he can maybe play on the second line and, and be really effective and, and be more of the, the grinder type where you know he still has a skill enough to, to contribute and, and to play with the skill guys that would be on a second line. But he also has the ability to, to cycle the puck. He's, he's good at cycling, getting the puck out back to your defenseman doing the dirty work that you know maybe your skill guys aren't necessarily going to do um i think that's probably something you'll echo but is there anything that you wanted to add on those two yeah i mean jack quinn i mean i think if 
they would have drafted a guy like Rossi. I mean, honestly, I would have pushed him up to tier one. But I think Jack Quinn, I think he'll be a solid NHL player. But the only problem I have with putting him in tier one is just I view him as more of like a high-end complementary piece hmm. versus like a line driver on whatever line he's put on. Absolutely. So I think he's a little bit on the fringe, though, compared to some of the other guys of being in that top tier. And then Paterka, I mean, like you said, he kind of plays – are kind of projecting to play kind of more of like a grinder style of game, maybe like a higher end Gergensons that could play in the top six. But I mean, I don't think he's a tier three guy. I think he's a nice prospect. So, I mean, tier two is right for him. And then the last two guys we have, uh, Uko Pekalukunen. He's a guy that I'm souring on a little bit just because I kind of expected him to have a better year in Finland this season. I mean, you see a guy like Lucas Dostal with, I think a 941 save percentage uh, in the Finnish Liga. And then I think Lukanen isn't really that close. And Dostal is seen as a high-end goalie prospect, and Lukanen is too. But just to see like that discrepancy in their two numbers, I mean, still a small sample size, but I mean, I expected better numbers from him in Finland. And even last season in the ECHL and AHL, I kind of was hoping for better numbers out of Lukanen. Absolutely. No, I, that's something that I think is a little bit common now. And look, they, goalies, we, the goalies in here, we're just kind of doing our best because we know that they're absolute, you know, they're a crapshoot when it comes to who can do what. Like Portillo might overtake Lukanen next year or next time we do this, whenever. Um, you know, Lukanen might shoot up to tier one if he starts playing out of his mind. It just, it's one of those things where goalies are just really tough to, to predict, but going based on what everyone else has said and, and our own thoughts. Um, you know, at least I, I do believe he'll be a starter at some point in the NHL. He might be one of those guys that's like um, Anders Lindback, who's like a starter, but he's always a starter for a team that isn't good. Who knows? Um, but I still think he'll be a starter in this league. And then Ryan Johnson. Um, look, I'm not saying he's going to be a top-pairing defenseman, but I think he could be a solid complementary fourth defenseman. You have a guy that's, you know... Uh, someone that needs help locking down the defensive zone or locking down transition. Um, if you have Johnson on his left side, I mean, I, I feel like that's pretty solid. Um, you know, I think he's another kind of complimentary player, much like Quinn, but that compliment would be someone who is raising his level as well offensively. Um, so I, I'm not exactly sure who on the the Sabres now would fit well in with him but obviously he's not playing for the Sabres now so I do see in a good situation um, I, I could definitely see him as a top four defenseman just logging minutes preventing um, you know high high danger chances preventing um, you know any kind of sticking holding guys up at the blue line and and using his his skating ability to, to not get burned um, and, and to either take the puck or the man um, so I know that one's kind of a, a tweener as well because I, I do think he'll at least be a top six defenseman um, just off of his defensive play and his, his ability to skate. Um, but as we've seen with Brandon Montour, it's not all about the skating, but I think he has a defensive mind enough to, to make it into the top six. But I really do think with Ryan Johnson, he can be a top four guy. He's just like Jack Quinn, more of a complimentary guy, and it has to be the situation. But um, I give him the benefit of the doubt there, so... Um, I'm not sure if you have anything else to add on that, but we have one guy left, and it's uh, it's our king, Dylan Cousins, for the first tier. Um, anyone that could be a potential top-line forward, 
top two defensemen or high-end starting goalie, whether it's elite or just being a solid starter. Um, Dylan Cousins, I mean, I think I've always viewed him as a second-line center just because the Sabres have Jack Eichel, and they have him for a while. But if we didn't have Jack Eichel or we he was you know maybe two-year contract, and especially with how things have gone, we're assuming that he's probably wanting out. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Dylan Cousins would be that next top-line center. Now, would it be immediately? No, but he has the potential to be a top-line center. Yeah, I mean, Dylan Cousins, just everything about that guy's profile. I mean, his production last year in Lethbridge. I mean, really just the progress he showed in the WHL. I mean, just his size at like 6'3", 6'4", just a huge, like, hulking center. And you look at that Canada World Junior team, we were talking earlier about how deep that team is. I mean, it's a team that has Byfield, like Kirby Doc, Peyton Krebs, Perfetti, Jack Quinn, Connor McMichael, just really deep at forwards. And the guy that's the number one center on that team is Dylan Cousins, a Buffalo Sabres prospect. So, I mean, that's really cool to see. I mean, it really makes me hopeful for the future. I think Cousins profiles a lot better than Middlestat in pretty much every category. I mean, we'll see if he's able to put together the same performance at the World Juniors. But, I mean, I think Sabres fans, I don't really think they have to be that cautious with Cousins. Maybe just a little bit, but, I mean, I think they have a damn good hockey player on their hands here. Absolutely, and I think when it comes to Dylan Cousins, it's it's we don't want to get burned like we did with Middlestat. Um, but, I mean, like he's – and it, we will see it. I mean, we saw it in their, their pre – uh, preliminary games, I guess you would call them, or their you know their scrimmages, but he's he's going to be a man amongst boys out there. I mean, he's what we we already won over. He's squatting like four seventy. He's like you said six three six four. I mean, he already has a frame. I mean, his skate. They were saying how he got better at skating. It's just like yes, I understand you can always improve, but dude, how much better at skating can you get? I mean, he's flying out there. Um, you know, so I. I I really do hope that they put him in a good situation in Buffalo where like he can just flourish and, and they don't need to depend on him too much. But I don't think it's far-fetched to think in the next couple years that he could be pushing, especially in the you know second-line center, but he could be pushing to be a top-line center if, again, Jack Eichel wasn't there. Um, now, I think one of my favorite things about the World Juniors right now is, um, and I would like to personally say thank you to Team Canada's coach for putting Jack Quinn on Dylan Cousins' win. Dylan Cousins is it's really tough to say apparently um, <laughs> I would love to see him on that on his wing just because that's potentially what we will see in Buffalo in the future and it's just it's awesome to see what could be it's kind of like when we saw Darlene playing with Borgen in the prospects tournament it's just fun to see what could what could possibly be and and how you know you said Jack Quinn is more of a complimentary player well you have Dylan Cousins to go do the dirty work you have Kirby Doc that can go make plays and and is a decent playmaker and passer. You have Jack Quinn with his lethal shot. I mean, that that as long as that line dominates the way we think it will, I think it it'll be fair to say that yeah, Jack Quinn's definitely a potential top six forward, um, a, a very good complementary player, and Dylan Cousins is a play driver who could definitely be a, a top line center, um, and and that's that's exciting for the future. I'm I'm finally at a place where at least we have hockey coming back. We have good prospects that are about to show out, hopefully. Obviously, uh, we think they will, but um, it's obviously up to them. Um, but it's just an exciting time for, for Sabres fans to, to see the Sabres coming back. They're going to be in the Royal Blues. 
Uh, Taylor Hall is going to be out there playing. Unfortunately, they haven't done much to their defense or their, their goaltending, which I think will hold them back. And we've been seeing the, the projections uh, on Twitter saying they might end up last in their division. I, I personally don't think that's going to happen, but um, I'm excited for the World Juniors. I'm excited for camp to start opening up. We have so much content that's going to be essentially handed to us on a silver platter. So um, I'm really excited for the future of this podcast. And, um, you know, I you know, I won't speak for, for Walt, but I know he is too. But um, there's just the, – the sky's the limit for, for guys, um, you know, like Cousins, Quinn, uh, Paterka, Lucan, and Johnson, guys like that. It's fun to kind of project and think where they're going. But um, at the end of the day, I do want to preach patience. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that – we need, especially when it comes to our prospects. When I'm com- talking about the Sabers, absolutely not. I'm as impatient as anyone else. But patience with Cousins, Quinn, Paterka, Lucan, and Johnson. Um, you know, even guys like Portillo, Borgen. I think there's there's a solid core there, and they might be a little thin when it comes to the depth. But you have the pieces that are young, outstanding players on the Sabers now. You have these guys coming up. As long as they take the projection that we see, I I really do have a lot of faith in, in the Sabres and what they have going forward. They just need to continue to make the proper moves, especially, again, on defense and goaltending. So that's just kind of my overall outlook when it comes to the Sabres and, and everything going on. Yeah, I mean, I think in the future, I mean, just with all the talent on this team, I mean, obviously the Sabres have been really hurt by some bad personnel decisions now. I mean, playing wrist lines, your number one defenseman still, has definitely hurt, but with the guys that are developing in the future, like Cousins, Eichel, maybe they could even get Hall to stick around. And then you got Darlene on the defense. I mean, those guys are going to be so good that it's kind of going to be hard for the Sabres to mess it up with some mismanagement. So the talent that's coming through is definitely really exciting. And I mean, they got a bright future in Buffalo. I know we've been saying this probably since like 2015, 2014, but Hopefully things finally come to fruition. Absolutely. And I mean, look, you got to do something. The Bills just, uh, they just clinched their division. So they're, they're making you look pretty bad, Sabres. So it's time for them to, to really set up, uh, set themselves up for the future. I mean, I think the biggest thing is I, I would rather wait another year on playoffs. I know it sounds awful. I would rather wait another year on playoffs than to just get bounced in the first, first round and then just kind of do that for the rest of, the rest of Eichel's contract or something like that. I really do think that if you're going to go for the playoffs, you really look, you got to make it first. The, the, there's nothing greater than playoff experience for these young guys. And, and you just, you have to do it for Eichel and, and other guys that have been here for a while. But, um, you know, I, I think I'm in the boat where it's like, look, I want to see depth and, and, and these playoffs and, um, you know, winning game sevens. I know Kevin Adams mentioned that as well on, on some video. It's just, there's there's levels to the success that I want to see with the Sabres, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. And obviously, first step is having a good season and making the playoffs. But the the ability to to roll out guys like Eichel, Cousins, Darlene, Yoki Haru, Reinhardt, Skinner, Hall. I mean, it's just it's exciting, and it's one of those things where you hope it's enough that they get in there because this year, as much as any other anything can happen so i think that's that's really it for us today um you know we're just 
excited about what's coming ahead and, and what we have that we can produce for, for content for everyone. Um, you know, we're going to have a lot of guests coming up soon during the season and, and giving uh, prospect updates and, um, you know, talking, you know, breakdowns of specific games and plays and players. And, um, you know, I, I'm just really excited. I, I know I keep saying it, but there's, you know, there's something to be said about uh, finally getting, you know, our, our NHL back and the Sabres back. And, and, you know, no matter how much pain they've caused in the past, um, you know, I'm, I'm still optimistic for the future. So, um, if there's anything else that you want to add, Walt, I think that's it for me, man. Yeah, I mean, kind of just echoing what you said. It's going to be a great year with this podcast. We have a lot of fun stuff coming up, and I'm just ready for some hockey. Absolutely. So, you know, congratulations to the Bills for uh, winning the division. That's awesome. Um, tell us why we are so awfully wrong in our prospects pyramid. I would love to hear some feedback on that. Uh, thank you for Jared for making that graphic. It's beautiful. He's a beast. Um, look for hopefully Jerry coming on the podcast here soon. I will force him to get on here because uh, awesome guy, uh, great at what he does. So um, thank you again for listening to the Sabres podcast, uh, the Saber Metrics podcast on the Charging Buffalo podcast network. Excuse me. Um, my name is Will. Uh, this is Walt. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, we're going to say go United States for the World Juniors but we probably think Canada is going to win. So uh, good luck to all the prospects for the Sabres that are playing in the prospects tournament. Uh, keep an eye out in the, in the next week, week and a half for another episode with a full preview of everything that's going on. Sabres, Amherst, whatever's happening uh, at that current date. Um, and we'll catch you on the next one.